0: From scheduled to live, just like that. Uh, welcome everyone to another episode of the Rocket MSP Podcast. I'm Steve Taylor, your host, and today I'm joined by Amy Babinchak. Hi, Amy. How's it going?
1: It's going all right. Thanks, Steve.
0: Absolutely. So uh, we we literally just met like you know five minutes ago. Um, we've we've never we've never really spoken other than uh, maybe in passing on one of like Carl Palachuk's Facebook posts. I think other, other than that, we've, we've never met. Um, so, so you are, you've got all kinds of awards and accolades and, and all, all kinds of good stuff behind you. Do, uh, do, do you want to tell everyone for the, for the people who don't know who you are? Who are you?
1: Um, well, my name's Amy Babinchak. I, uh, uh, I've run an MSP up in Michigan for 20 years now. Um, I've been a Microsoft MVP for 15 years and uh, in various categories over the years. They keep moving me around. So I'm a, I'm a technical person. Um, I also have a company called Third Tier, which helps out other IT firms. And um, I don't know, I, I I'm a real community-oriented person, so... Um, that's probably how I end up getting introduced to a lot of people. You know, I write and I speak and participate in a lot of community groups and, um, you know, I just try to be very active in the community, in the career that I've chosen for myself.
0: Very good. So, um... So you, you've, you've been running an MSP for a while. You've been a Microsoft MVP for 15 years. I mean, what, what does it take to be an MVP? They'll just hand that out to anyone, right?
1: No, there's, um, there used to be like 4,000 worldwide. I think there's a lot less than that now, like maybe half of that. twenty really? two, Maybe 2,200 or something. Yeah, they really kind of cleared it out it's a worldwide thing. Every year they decide to award some people. So it's, and they take a look at what you've done in previous, in the previous 12 months, as far as being active in the community, being someone that people in the community look to, um, you know, and that, that kind of thing. So it's a, it's an ongoing process every year. I'm I'm happy Mm -hmm. and I'm surprised. And, I'm still glad to be here. I mean, at this point it's kind of part of my identity, so it'll be sad when someday it goes away, but you know, it it will. Um, yeah, I just, I, I really like sharing with, with people. So I, you know, I've never felt threatened by anybody, you know, if someone needs help, I'm willing to to help out and, um, you know, just that, so that kind of, got the attention of of Microsoft and they continue to think that I'm one of the more influential people out there. So
0: that's great. All right. So with, with that, um, one of the things that, that we kind of talked about when scheduling this was, you said you wanted to talk about making money as a Microsoft (laughs) 365 administrator. Mm -hmm. So that, that sounds right. So, um, we, we only get like pennies for these licenses. Why on earth would we want to really focus on this? That sounds like a terrible business
1: plan. Because we're consultants. I mean, okay. you know, I, so 20 years ago when I got into this business, I got into it by accident, as many people do, and in that I was working in an enterprise environment and I ended up with a bunch of clients on the side and small businesses, because people would say to me, Oh, my brother has a business. Do you think you could go and help him out? No. And I'd be like, yeah, I can go over there on Saturday. I'll, you know, I have to work or whatever and give my hand. And I realized what horrible support that small businesses were getting, that they were either getting these, you know, overbuilt enterprise networks or they were getting giant home networks. They weren't actually getting anything that fit them and that, you know, they were just getting really bad, bad support. And so, Um, I found that I really, really identified with those business owners and I wanted to to work with them. And, And eventually I realized that that's that was what was driving my my passion in I.T. was being able to to help these businesses be better. And, you know, and that sort of drives my whole interest in I.T., right? I always say I.T. has no other purpose than to make business great and so i can't make business great by selling them a license right i can only make business great by selling them the license and then showing them how to make money with that right how are they going to use that to better to better their company and so that's always been a focus of my msp that we don't just install the stuff. We're actually going to make sure that they're using it, getting all the value out of it, and that they can look at that expense and say, "My IT expense makes me money." Because well, the other thing that I say is, you know, if your, you know, if, if your IT investment isn't making your money, you're, something's wrong. It should be it should be making those companies money, and so so as a as an MSP though too, it should be making me money. Right. All that consulting work yeah. does make money. Right, So Microsoft 365 has about 30 applications ish that come with it in that suite. Most people out there just simply sell that license. Here you go. I migrated your email. We put some files in your OneDrive. Oh, uh, Here's teams. OK, have fun. Call me when you have a problem. Uh, that's not that's not yeah. how to do it. You're not making any money that way. You have to be constantly chasing that. Whereas if you work with that customer and you're continually rolling out new features, rolling out new applications, showing them how to do it, converting their old processes into new modern processes, that's where the that's where the money is, And that's where the big money is.
0: Interesting. So beyond um, I know like you said outlook, uh, Hosted uh, exchange, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, uh, maybe Teams. May, let's put a maybe next to Teams, right? Uh, and and probably OneDrive. Mm-hmm. What what would you say? What would you say you're doing when you're when you're trying to sell this to a client? how How do you how do you go to them like because because pitching them in, into 365 is easy. Pitching them to keep paying you to implement more of 365, I suspect is where it becomes a little harder, right?
1: Well, no, I don't think so because I mean, it's the whole premise of being an MSP, right? The first word of that is managed, and that's where mm-hmm. that's where you get your monitoring and patching and blah blah blah, all that super boring stuff. The second word is service. And you're not providing service if you're not out there doing things for your client. And so that's what we pitch them on. We don't pitch them on, hey, I would like to sell you 365 because it's a great email application. It's like you need, when we talk about 365, we talk about it as infrastructure, right? This is the entire thing that makes everything work. Right. This is a whole suite of applications that we're gonna build on over time. This is this is how your business, your business is going to run inside of 365 from this point forward. And then slowly as the months go by, we will begin to introduce new things, new things, new things, new things. And so when we're talking about it, we're just not talking like about their, you know, it's time to migrate you from a server to to cloud, you know. Say, so, yeah, you know, what are you going to get from that? Okay, right? here's all the benefits you're going to get. Right, we're gonna we're gonna start we're gonna start rolling out bookings. We're gonna start rolling out OneDrive. Hey, did you know in OneDrive we can get rid of your old FTP server? We can put out a really good solution that's web-based for your clients to upload files to you. Hey, when you we've got this application called Bookings in here that'll let let you set up times for scheduling so that. Uh, you can have people automatically schedule appointments with your calendar. Um, you know, we've got uh, MileIQ that's a great solution for expenses and mileage tracking that's built into that. You know, we've got flows through Power Automate where we can move data from here to there automatically and automate a lot of these manual tasks that people waste their time doing every day. So this thing is not about email. This is about how you're going to run your business and taking advantage of all the promise of the cloud. That's what 365 is going to bring to the company. So they know that we're not there just to patch their computers. In fact, we almost never talk to them about that. We talk to them about security and we talk to them about business process and making their company better.
0: So that sounds really easy, um, really easy to do with an existing client. How, how might you, how might you change that pitch if it were a prospect, someone you have not done business with?
1: I don't, I absolutely don't. So it's really interesting. I don't have any salespeople, right? All my, all my mm-hmm. techs are salespeople. It's, so they all, they all, they're all responsible for sales. And when we go to meet a potential new client, we have, we have no packages We have no bronze, silver, gold thing. We have no pre-built solutions of what, you know, hey, we're going to go in. here's Here's our sheet of what we do. Which package do you want? We don't do any of that. We talk to them about what their goals are, what they want to accomplish. We talk to them about ways that we can leverage the modern technology that's out there to make those things happen and solve some of their problems. We'll ask them some questions about things that are inefficient in their company. We'll offer a couple of solutions and we'll tell them, that's the kind of thing that we're going to do. We're here to work with you, Mr. Business Owner, Ms. Business Owner, to help make your company great. That's our purpose. Are we, are we going to have, you know, are, are we going to make sure your computers are patched and things are running and answer your help desk calls? Yeah, we're going to do all that. Everybody does that. But what's really important is that we're going to make your business better than it is today.
0: All right. So if you have all of your techs are your salespeople, which is really cool, by the way. Um, how many techs do you have? Eight. Eight techs plus you then?
1: No, eight of us total in the company.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. And then um you don't have anyone that's like office admin or any of that type of stuff.
1: There's one one ad one office person does the books
0: and yeah. so if if your techs are all responsible for sales, how how does that work? Because I, I suspect but like, do do they have quotas or, or any of that type of stuff? No. Okay. No. Um <clears throat> So, so are any of your techs doing like going to chamber of commerce luncheons and uh, networking groups and BNI, none, none of that type of stuff? No, no, no,
1: no. Uh, no, our sales is really um, it's really a relationship sales, right? I would say we get almost all of our sales come either through LinkedIn. Uh, we ho- occasionally we were we were used to hold twice annual um, in-person events. We would write invite potential clients and current clients together. <clears throat> and we would hold an all-day educational uh, event. That was a great generator of new clients. Um, and then uh, yeah, there the rest, rest really come through relationships with our with uh, vendors and really and LinkedIn.
0: So how how does that work with the the LinkedIn? Are are you doing? <clears throat> are, are are you paying for like the fancy LinkedIn premium where you know you're you're going on and looking for people, or are they all coming to you?
1: I I do have LinkedIn premium. <clears throat> um, that's not that's not their super fancy license. They have the one called Sales Navigator that's pretty right. expensive. The premium gets me everything that I that I need, right? So I, I post regularly in there to try to convey the idea that we, you know, we know what we're talking about. So that when somebody decides that they they need an IT firm, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I've seen Amy posting some stuff. I should, you know, maybe that's who I should contact." And they do. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and then when we're uh, when we're holding events, so. Now we've been holding virtual events. When we're holding in-person events, um, I would seek out local businesses and invite them. Say, hey, we're having a we're having an event, get some free education, find out how Microsoft 365 uh, works, right? And so and I would send them an agenda. Here's everything we're gonna talk about. And, you know, here's everything you're gonna learn. And so it was just really giving them a bunch of free education. And then they would realize at some point that they were in a room uh, where a lot of the people in the room were already clients of ours. Right. Because, and I had all my texts speak at this, at, at, this event also. So I, I also make them speak <laughs> in front of people, which is very uncomfortable for them, but it's an mm-hmm. awesome learning experience. And, um, you know, so so here's your prospects in a room uh, mingling with your current clients who already love you, right? And they're there learning free stuff that they've never heard these things from any other IT firm before. And then they're impressed. And we end up signing up bunches of clients that way. That's been our most successful um, sales effort ever.
0: That's really cool. So, so if you're signing up Clients, um, through through these uh, lunch and learn type events or, or mm-hmm. bagels and I don't know what rhymes with bagels, but uh, anyway, so so you have these events or you, I'll say you had these events. How how has it changed? You know, now now in this whole new world that we have, you know, are, are you trying to do like Zoom events? You know, sh- shipping out McDonald's to everyone like what does <laughs> this work?
1: So. We have not tried to replicate those events because I don't, I don't like attending myself. I don't like attending events that used to be in person that are now online. Mm. That are you know, trying to be the same thing online that they were in person. Cause I just don't think it works. So what we did is we changed it up and um, now we're having uh, mini mastermind type groups. And so, will propose a single question and it's all, this is all business related stuff because COVID has changed a lot in the way that people have to run their business. And so, and so we've been proposing business type questions and then inviting people to come. And, you know, whereas with our in, big in-person event, we would make a huge push and we would get, we had up to 150 people in the room one time And then we decided that was too big, and we kind of shrunk it and tried to keep it around fifty. That was our first one that we held; was huge. We was like, okay, that's just way too big. (laughs) Uh, So, so we shrink it down to fifty. These little groups that we've been doing since then, though, since the COVID started, we have about ten to fifteen in the room virtually. And, uh, you know, we go around the room, everybody introduces themselves, same thing. Some people are current clients, some people are not. Uh, They just showed up to get some input and share their pain about trying to hire during COVID or trying to keep their corporate culture during COVID. Um, You know, so we've had these kind of different questions. And then, um, you know, I'll talk on that topic for about 10 minutes and say, you know, talk about our experience and then we will have staged a couple of our clients to talk about their experiences and how they solve this problem and then we just go around the room and basically have everybody express what their pain is and then other people free to make comments on it so very much a peer interactive kind of meeting and it's an hour long we do that thing in Um, That's been, that's been really good for us too. You know, it's, it's not, it's not the big event, but it's a more frequent small event centered around a question, same kind of thing where we have potential clients interacting with our current clients and understanding that this is, this is what's different about Harbor. This is how Harbor does, does business.
0: Awesome. All right. So I I have so many questions based on, everything that you just said. So um, where were you doing these events?
1: Those are on those. We're doing those online. The little ones. We're doing the little ones online.
0: I'm sorry. The 50 to 150 the big people. big ones? Events.
1: We were yeah. doing those at the local Microsoft office. That's where oh, we, wow. we held those because Microsoft will let you do it for free. Use their space. That's so. really cool.
0: And, and was Microsoft, you know, Tossing in anything since you're an MVP, like three years one for everyone? Or?
1: <laughs> no. No, we okay. had to we had to do that ourselves. So all they do is provide the, the space in the A V, which is cool. And they have yeah. they have a they have awesome space. So made well, It us, sounds like it if you 150 people in there. Yeah, made us look fancy because the room is really modern and cool looking.
0: How how close is that space to like in relation to where your office is?
1: Um, It's in downtown Detroit. So it's about 15 miles from my office. And it's probably, our clients are spread out about a two hour drive from end to end. Like if they went to the furthest east to the furthest west is probably about two hours. So um, we have very few clients in Detroit itself, but Hmm. Everybody shows up down there for a meeting anyway. It's easy enough to get to, just right off the freeway, free parking.
0: Oh, okay. So, yeah, well, and, and 15 miles, you know, including traffic, that shouldn't be more than 90 minutes, right?
1: <laughs> One thing we have in Detroit are roads, so traffic is oh. almost never a problem. It's, a, it's Here,
0: here in Ohio, we, we haven't figured that part out yet. Yeah,
1: like, like being uh, the Motor City. We, we have roads. Yeah. It's like we have terrible roads because Michigan has the, the largest number of miles per capita, which means we can't afford to maintain them, but we have them. So traffic's not really a thing.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> largest number of miles per capita. Wow. I didn't know that was a thing.
1: That's a thing. I learned. Yeah. All
0: right. So um, being... You know, 15 miles from downtown Detroit. You're not in Detroit, though.
1: I'm in Royal Oak. It's a suburb.
0: Okay. So, and like, I'm in Medina. I'm a suburb of either Cleveland or Akron. Take your pick. Um, So, you know, our our two states, we get along great, especially with uh, college football, I'm told. I'm not a sports person, so.
1: And I went to the other Michigan school, so.
0: Oh, so we'll see. Then you, you and I can be,
1: <laughs> we can we can be friends.
0: <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know if we can be friends, Amy. And it's it's not. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a, a play on the old dating phrase, but I'm gonna say it wrong intentionally. It's not me, Amy. It's you. Um, <laughs> I'm running a Mac, and I love it. <laughs> and you're a Microsoft MVP, um, and I just feel like there's not a lot of synergy there
1: you know uh who makes the most software for macs
0: uh adobe actually i think so
1: microsoft <laughs> microsoft makes more software for macs than any other than any other vendor
0: i don't know amy i mean let me let me see here adobe had to install acrobat distiller and adobe media encoder just for me to install acrobat and and premiere so i mean it, it, it literally takes two applications with Adobe for every one you want to install. So <laughs> this they're, is a they're selling point. At, at this, least they're catching up.
1: <laughs> that is not a selling point, man. You could have installed uh, Teams, one little app done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to use Teams when I have Slack?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get me started. I, yeah, I, I've had to use Slack a few times. Oh, It is a poor so, substitute.
0: Well, well, you know that's that's interesting you say that because um I think Slack came first.
1: <laughs> it did, yeah. But so
0: so the fact that it's a poor substitute um wh- like Teams it sounds like is is maybe a better substitute, but I feel like S- Slack is is the OG here. Um uh, well, you
1: know, it is, it's fallen behind. It's yeah. Did uh, did Salesforce it's, end up buying them?
0: I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because they least, needed they my they, they like needed that. something to round it out. Like they got stuck in the stuck in the forever scrolling virtual chat mode and didn't expand their product fast enough.
0: Slack or Salesforce. Slack. Okay, so. <clears throat> I guess I just assume that that's what Teams is as well. I mean, no, you've no, no. Your, uh, you you've, can you've got your forever scrolling <clears throat> chat room.
1: You do have that, but that's one feature, right? Oh. Then you have you have the actual Teams, and you have you have data, and you have sh- uh, sharing, and you have like all of all of your all of your files, all of your meetings, all of your chats, all of your everything goes into Teams. It's like it's like Outlook for data and conversation.
0: So with with Teams, and I, I see Ian says, "I'll I'll take Slack over Teams any day." <laughs> uh, wow, that's that's a bold statement coming from a Google G Suite user, Ian. Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's G Suite. I'm pretty sure. Um, all right, so. So that's, that's interesting. So like Slack can do a lot of those things, I think. So, so Slack, I can do video calling. Um, The free version is only one-to-one, but if you're on the the Slack, the paid version, then you can have, you know, I I think it's like 10 or 12 or 25 people on the video call. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I think that's where it gets difficult. You know, if, if like Google had purchased Slack, then we'd be having a different conversation because then they would have, you know, integrated it into, into uh, Google G Suite mm-hmm. and included it with the licensing, and and then I wouldn't have to worry about uh, paying for another thing, right? right. Um,
1: that would have been teams, a more interesting buy, I think.
0: I agree, and it's not like they don't have the money to do it, um, but but with Teams, I mean that that is the one the one big selling point you know if you're a microsoft 365 um you know use teams it's there it's it's included there's no limitations because it's already included mm-hmm. um i want to say the the 365 whatever they're calling it now the business basic the the standard five dollar-ish one that one includes teams right
1: i think everything includes teams
0: and, and they all include the same like there's version even if there's even a
1: free version of teams yeah they do it's all all the features are in all of the versions there's and, um, and so it's with slack it's like you know we've got
0: a what was it, a 10,000 chat history uh, we've got a limit on on how many gigs of, of data it'll store mm-hmm. you know that type of stuff because slack is free I'm, I'm on the free version which who knows how long that'll last if Salesforce purchase did really go through. So what type of limitations are there with, with teams for a 365 tenant?
1: Um, Well, Teams stores its data in SharePoint. So Mm. however much SharePoint data storage space, that's where your, that's where your limitation is. Now, not, all the data is stored in SharePoint. The files are stored in SharePoint. The chats and the conversations that are going on, those are stored in Exchange, which on most plans is, is near unlimited or unlimited. Um, so there's a lot of latitude there. Then you have different kinds of meetings. You have the instant one-on-one meetings. You have small group meetings. And then you have live events, which we have uh, 50,000 people now, I think, So there's Uh lots of options. The Skype phone system is now Teams phone system. So if you want to do a whole phone system scenario, you can roll that in there too. If you just want to talk within your own team, there's a little free phone system built in there for internal conversations, which includes voicemail Hmm. and everything.
0: I've got a colleague, um, Brian Weiss. A lot of people have probably heard of him. And... He's out in California with ITech. He is. Um, if he's not talking about data, he's talking about teams. So he he loves it, and I get it. You know, it's. I'm not saying it's a bad software. I tease people, but I really don't care what you guys use at the end of the day, as long as you are proficient enough to provide service to your customers with it, and not make the rest of us look like assholes because you're doing it wrong. Um, so, I mean, he, he's all in with Teams. He's doing Teams phone. Um, I mean, he's, he's setting up uh, uh, SIP trunks and whatever else to, to get, like, actual phone service running through Teams. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely loves it. And I think that's pretty cool that they have all of that functionality within Teams. It, it sounds like, you know... From from somebody who who doesn't know how to like really speculate, it sounds like Microsoft is is trying to figure out what is the next email.
1: Oh know well, they've I mean? they've yeah. I mean, <clears throat> from day one, Microsoft's been saying that email is email's dead, and you know Teams is <laughs> Teams says is the company
0: who sends out so many emails. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and Teams is the Teams is the new way to communicate um gotcha. and you know when teams first showed up on the in the market now can't it's around three around three years i think are coming up on three something like that uh it hasn't been that long and i i said to oh, to really my doesn't. to my group here at, at harbor i said uh, we're going to start using teams because it's going to replace email and they went no no it's not that's not happening you know, and I had to drag them over into using this new way of communicating and guess what? We don't send any internal email and most of our clients of are now sending us, are sending us things directly into teams too now. So our email is okay, dropped.
0: Hold on just a moment because I'm yeah. not a team's user. I don't understand that aspect. How are your clients sending you team stuff?
1: Uh, when you when you're in teams anybody can communicate with you so if they they have uh, they have teams or Skype or a few other applications they're automatically federated in so they can just type in my email address and poof it goes off into into the teams.
0: So I remember when I played around with teams, Probably back when it was still in its infancy. Not not that it's more than much more than a toddler right now, but right. Um, so I remember back then, you know, I, we couldn't figure out how to do any of that stuff. It was the 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 federacy, the you know, whatever. It, it mm-hmm. wasn't working correctly yet.
1: No, it does. It um, works. So yeah, the, it, well, initially teams didn't have external access at all. Right. Now they have, now they do. So, um, yeah, so all of our clients can communicate with us directly in Teams. And we actually have all of our alerting coming into Teams as well, because Teams can also receive an email, which is an interesting thing. So every every channel in Teams has an email address. So when we're setting up a client, we need to, you know, we're setting up something Uh, you know, that we want to monitor that's going to send us reports or send us alerts out. We have those sent directly into that client's channel in Teams. So that's how much we're really focusing our daily work inside of that application.
0: Well, you know, what else is pretty cool? You know, you said that and it just gets me thinking. I suspect you are also able to use that client's channel for if you need to set something up for the client and it requires like a client email address like like maybe you're setting up the Acronis cyber protect that new thing that they've got and it requires an email address for the end user. Mm-hmm. And now you can use um yep the, the, the team's channel.
1: Yep absolutely and we do. Okay.
0: That's that's pretty cool. All right well I I feel like you know Teams is probably more important than ever, you know, with this whole pandemic thing, I'm sure I'd like to think most people have already implemented it for their clients by now, <laughs> pandemic and all. Mm-hmm. So what what other stuff would you say is, is pretty high in your list when it comes to, hey, we're in a pandemic and everyone's remote, we should be using XYZ from 365?
1: Um, well, pandemic-wise, teams really is the big winner. You know, one of the one of the questions that we had in our uh, our little roundtable meetings is uh, one was about corporate culture, and another was about you know, kind of keeping the team together during during COVID when you're all spread out, right? My company has always worked 100% remote. All my people work from their own home offices, so this was nothing new from us. And maybe mm-hmm. we're all sort of introverts, and you know, we had to be reminded that there was a pandemic on, right? <laughs> because it was, you know, it's the way that the way that we worked anyway. But it was new for almost all of our clients. And um, but even in my company, uh, so we would we used to have a meeting every tuesday and we would meet opposite one week it was mornings and we would meet in person here at my office at that tuesday morning and we would do client reviews right we go around the room and say what was going on with each of the clients and then on the opposite tuesday we would meet in the evening and we would meet for dinner and we would do training together as a group and with the when the pandemic came, I said y'all not coming to my house anymore, and so, <laughs> uh, and so we started we started to do it it virtually, and not having that personal interaction got to be a thing. But what happened spontaneously with with my staff is we have a, a permanent chat and team called All Text. The All Text chat started to have a good morning. Like everybody would sign on in the morning and just started saying good morning to each other and posting up stupid little memes and jokes and stuff like that. And that never, that did not happen pre-pandemic. It's like, that was there. That's where they would say, if they're working on a, you know, with multi-factor authentication now, um, it's spread out to different texts have the multi-factor authentication going to their phone. So if you need to log into that Mm. client, well, that tech's going to get the thing. So it was this place where they could say code, please. right, (laughs) And the person would, you know, put in the code that popped up on their phone, but it's morphed into this whole water cooler thing, which we didn't have. We didn't have pre pandemic. And I think it was just a little bit of a stress relief for people to, to have that little good morning thing. And, so, and then we also switched our, also during this pandemic, my my uh, tech manager um, had open heart surgery. And so that was a bit of a surprise and that threw me back into the day-to-day operations with the with the techs for a little while. And so most of them had never worked with me in that capacity before. And so uh, instead of having our two, Tuesday morning meetings that used to take, you know, most of the morning, I said, you know, let's meet every morning for like half an hour. So just kind of building off of that good morning thing that they were doing. And so um, interestingly, on the side, when I started it, each of them individually told me that they really, really enjoyed it and appreciated it. But they didn't. But they were worried that nobody else did, so they didn't. Any nobody said it in the chat. They, they only contacted me directly and said, "I'm really glad we're doing these morning meetings. It's helping me a lot." Um, and then when they all had done it, I said, "You know, you guys all did. Right? <laughs> you all, you all individually told me that that you enjoy these morning meetings. And It's just like half an hour, and we get online with our tea and." stuff and whatever and uh, say good morning and this is each tech goes around and says what they're going to be working on today. Today I got a meeting with this client and I you know I just got an email about a problem over here and I'm going to be working on this project and they just say what they're going to be doing and then the meeting's over. I mean it's it's just a simple little morning thing that lets everybody know that we're all here and we're all still doing our Harbor thing and everybody's on the same page.
0: That's great. I like that a lot. Um,
1: Not sure how I got so, off of that from the whole teams no, no, thing, but it was about, no. it's, it's about it's okay. keeping people together, keeping the corporate culture together, using teams for that. And that's where teams really has shined during this, during the pandemic. When we met, met with clients in, our, in the roundtables that we're holding with them and our, and our prospects together, um, no matter what topic we propose, it ends up circling back around to teams in some way that they mm-hmm. have used teams during this pandemic to build out their cloud infrastructure, to change the way that they're working, to hold their corporate culture together, to help them train new staff that they've never met in person that's like a new new challenge, right? You hire somebody mm-hmm. in a meeting like this and you never see them and they're working off at their home office. And how does that person feel like they're part of the company when they've never met the company? You know, and Teams mm-hmm. has been that glue for everybody.
0: I like it. All right, so let's, let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about Azure. Okay. So... I know you said you you know you are a consultant for for Microsoft 365, um, which does uh, include Azure AD. I, I feel like that that lives more in the Microsoft 365 than the Azure world. Um, mm-hmm. But are you also doing any type of consulting with your clients on Azure type of stuff?
1: Uh, a little bit, I'm definitely more of a 365 person than a, an Azure person. Um, we do some things in Azure. Uh, you know, we're most of our most of our Azure interaction comes via 365, like you said, with Azure Active Directory, with Endpoint Management, with Identity Security, that kind of stuff. Um, but we also do Azure Backup. We do um, Hyper V replications. Uh, we do one instance of virtual desktops. Um, we do some web application hosting. That's about it. I no, would say we're not we're not great big Azure users.
0: Okay. So when a client says I'm I'm looking to get a server or whatever, you'll you'll still pitch them the physical server instead of Azure or something. No,
1: we'll pitch them like why. Why do oh, we okay. want a server? What are we trying to do with this server? that we can't do in the cloud, right? And putting the server into Azure is, I consider that to be a legacy solution, right? So why is it that we still have to have the server? Whether I have the server on premise or I have the server sitting in Azure, I still have a server. And what's the reason that I have to have a server? Is there any way that I can get along without the server? And so that's our thats our first First go to is uh, how do we get rid of the server? We don't want to have them anywhere.
0: Okay, but what about? Um, so I just had—I want to say it was last week. I had Vadim from Nerdio, mm-hmm. and their big thing so is to, uh, setting up like Windows virtual desktops using Azure.
1: Yeah, uh, yep. Yeah, and we're Windows when I said we're using virtual desktops, we actually were using Nerdio for that.
0: Oh, okay. Yep. so so you're not saying you see zero um, uh, reason to use Azure you're just saying that you have specific use cases where you'll use it and others where you'll just look at the client and go huh mm-hmm. that, like, okay
1: yeah why yeah our first go-to is why do we have to have the server if there's a good reason for having the server maybe most likely it goes on premise. Uh, if it doesn't, then um, it'll you know' we'll, like I said, well we all we have very we have we have actually no servers in Azure except for uh, that her, Windows yes. virtual desktop solution that we have running for one client.
0: And so with um with the on-premise servers for your clients like, <laughs> you're probably not doing, oh, I need a print server or I need a file server. Like, you know, there's there's a cloud solution for, like, managed print. I can't remember. The, the, I think there's a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And then file server, you would just give them OneDrive. Yep. Um,
1: OneDrive, yeah, I mean, SharePoint. Sort of really... So files, Active Directory. Um, most applications are now available as SaaS apps.
0: Yeah, that's true. And so, so even one of the business apps, they don't need a server for anymore.
1: Right? Yeah. So, it, so you know, we're looking at moving those, and the ones that can't be moved, are they? You know, they still stay on on premises. And yeah, I kind of like that. So, it gets to be the annoying app, right? Like, oh, I have to have the server for that app. Like everything else we do mm-hmm. is in the cloud. I still have to have the server for that app. You know, and
0: um, it makes them want to find a new app.
1: It makes them want to find a new app, something that's more modern, something that, you know, if they're at this point, if that application isn't in the cloud, there's probably more than just that that's wrong with it. (laughs) Right. It's there's it's fallen behind.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: And so that's that's our that's our premise that we're going in with. Like, what's wrong with this app that it's it's doesn't have a cloud solution you know and and the the client begins to view the app that way too and usually they will then come forth and say yeah well we've been using this for 20 years and yeah we know you know they haven't really improved it in the last 10 years and we know we should be using something else and it's just ramps it up one little more annoyance that you know eventually they'll they're going to give that app the boot especially now with the pandemic thing, I mean, that really yeah. that really shifted that too because, um, you know, well, all your stuff is in the cloud except that app, which we're going to have to set up a VPN so you can get to it because it's still in your office.
0: So what about Intune? I, I know they renamed it its endpoint manager, but um, I still say LabTech because let's, let's be honest <laughs> So, so here's, you know what really grinds my gears, Amy? So ConnectWise, they called their Remote Monitoring and Management Tool, it has management in the name, they called it Automate. Mm-hmm. And then their Professional <laughs> Services Automation Tool, they called that one Manage. <laughs> that's, that's just genius, if you ask me. Um, so, keep on, so yeah, Always I, keep on guessing. I I still say LabTech out of spite for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so what about what about Intune? Uh, Are are you are you seeing yourself? uh, I see you've got uh, Datto behind you. So, so are you using AutoTask and uh, Datto RMM? No, I don't use any RMM. You just use an endpoint manager. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I. So I say Endpoint Manager because I was not a fan of Intune, but I'm a huge fan of Endpoint Manager because what Microsoft did is they didn't just rename it. They actually merged it with Configuration Manager, and okay. uh, which gave us a huge, huge number of additional tools. And so, like, Intune's been around for, what, 15, 20 years, something like that.
0: No way. It, really?
1: Yeah. It just always sucked. But now it's super good, and so um, it's it, it's an amazing tool. It lets you do the whole zero deployment thing from out of box experience all the way, you know, yeah. through everything, much more than group policy ever could do. And so we're using it extensively. Um, I just taught a couple classes on it actually, and I um, those classes had a private endpoint manager Facebook group, and I just opened that group up to anybody who might like to talk about Endpoint Manager. So if you want to join us over there, if you go to the third tier Facebook page, you'll under, and then look up the groups that that page has,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you'll see the Endpoint Manager group over there. It's just getting going. I just opened it up yesterday, in fact.
0: Oh, wow. So so I've got some questions about Endpoint Manager, <laughs> uh, and I feel like you're probably one of the best people to ask. So... Does Endpoint Manager, well, you might not be the best person to ask because you never needed to begin with, it sounds like. Does Endpoint Manager make it so I don't need an RMM anymore?
1: Yeah, I'm not the best person to ask for that because I never, I've never been a fan of RMMs, so I've, I have never used one. I, back when they first came on the market, I looked at all of them, and I didn't like any of them. So it's just... Not my style. I. Um,
0: so what did you do? Like, because you you didn't really have any way to do central management and automation and remediation and all that stuff. Like,
1: I don't care about that. Right? We're all we're so much so much remediation, automation, alerting, monitoring. Yeah, like every application. It has it all built in, and so we just always enabled what what was built into those applications, and then had the had it send its its reports, its monitoring, its alerts out to us, and that's the same thing that we do today. Like, um, and it, it, I don't know, being our clients, we don't treat our clients like a commodity, right? So we don't treat our clients like they're all identical where we're going to send them all the same things Send them all the same scripts and them all the same. We don't, we don't treat them that way. We treat them all as if they're individual, unique businesses, which, which they are. So I've never really felt the need to, but right? we don't, we don't, we don't do a lot of scripting. We don't do any of that stuff.
0: Well, and okay. So I can appreciate not wanting to think of a client as a commodity and and you know everyone's a, a unique snowflake, and I get that and they are. But at the same time, aren't you creating more work for yourself by not doing any type of automation and scripting?
1: I don't think so. We I mean a lot happens by itself now anyway, right So like what? Um, well, like patching and updating Right. We turn on Windows, started this back in uh, as soon as Windows 7 hit the market. So whatever year that was, 2007, mm-hmm. something like that. We just turned it on, let it go. Like, I don't need to worry about patching. I just worry about patching. And, you know, if anything ever goes haywire, we'll deal with it. It almost never does. So it's not something that we worry ourselves about. Same thing with antivirus. With Windows 10, we switched over to Defender exclusively, so we don't use any third party. Previously, we did use a third party, and it had its own management tool built in, and it would tell us if a machine didn't get updated. Hey, I lost contact with this machine. Hey, and we were like, okay, we'll deal with the exception. But as a rule, we don't have to touch it. And so if we don't have to touch it, we don't touch it.
0: And with Defender, are you using like the Defender ATP, the the fancy Microsoft 365 version, or are you just using the free one that comes with the computer?
1: Uh, we use the free one that comes with the with the computer. However, this is where Endpoint Manager comes in. We apply a lot of policies down via Endpoint Manager to uh, enhance that.
0: Uh, what about other like security stuff? Like are are you um, are, are you employing you know DNS filtering and uh, UTM firewalls and, and that type of stuff? Like
1: Yeah, we do have a UTM firewall. That UTM firewall does have a portal of itself so we can see all the firewalls that we have. We can back up all the configurations from there. Uh, Actually, they back up themselves in there. Um, And so, again, we just have to look for exceptions. So the automation is already built into the tool. Um, We can push out updates. Well, the updates happen automatically through the tool as well for that. Um, We can can push out our standard set of um, configuration, And actually, that is done by the vendor. So, um, so every firewall that goes out goes out with our configuration base configuration already in it, and then we just tweak it for the individual customer once it's there.
0: Hmm. Okay. And um, what what other types of security stuff do you and and I'm asking you so much about security because I guess I'm my mind is just blown. Oh, I'm, I'm
1: huge on security, but all of our security okay. comes through comes through 365, and we don't sell the five dollar license. We sell the twenty dollar license, right? That has all the security tools in it. So, um, so we use multi-factor authentication. We sell our clients a password management tool. Um, we teach them how to use those things. Uh, we have um, cloud. We have a license licensing for cloud app security through uh, through Microsoft that lets us control all the cloud applications, what they have access to, how they share data, expiration of data, tracking when data is shared externally, all tons and tons of alerts that come through there. Um, you know, we have, you know, it, it tracks uh, impossible travel um, access. We have, we block access from, Firefox and Windows 7, we block access from other countries. We block access from risky IPs and uh, unknown ISPs and rogue Wi-Fis. And we do this all through this Microsoft Cloud App Security. I have, I just looked yesterday because I'm writing a big article on taming the alerts out of Cloud App Security. We have 93 different security rules that we use in there to manage it. Then that's on top of the conditional access rules in, in 365 and on top of the endpoint manager configurations that are going down to the to the workstations and on top of the Windows Defender. So it's all this big layer, but it's a completely cloud managed experience that we do through all the Microsoft tooling.
0: Um so I know that there are going to be people that strongly disagree with, with how you are doing this, because they're going to say you need Sentinel one and a, and a sock and a, and a seam and, and all this stuff because, you know, compliance and hackers and Russia and whatever else. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so how, how do you reply to those people when they look at you and say, Amy, you're, you're doing this absolutely effing wrong because you don't have real antivirus and real security tools and whatever else.
1: I say they need to get modern and rethink. Just pushing down the same stuff they've always done in all the same way is actually putting you behind the eight ball. So we have NIST 80171 compliance uh, tools through this set that we use. We have seen them see one through five, and I don't recommend anybody but go three at this yet. point it does as far as the tooling. So it's not enforced yet. They don't, have to, they don't have to be compliant with it yet, but the templates for providing those that security level absolutely exist. And we have those full templates where we can say to a client, hey, this is where you're at. This is where you are. This is where you need to be. Here's the things. We've got three years to implement this. Um, and we have all those tools available. So we have data loss preventions, we have, um, content, uh, you know, scanning, all that stuff is all built into our 365 offerings. So we have, we have all of those tools. We just don't have them in the, Hey, I'm going to install another agent on your computer way. It's all, it's all agentless.
0: Okay. Um, with CMMC, my understanding is because it's it's not complete, it is it is still a draft, so there could be changes. Um, well, they could they could do a complete one eighty on on some of their stances that are in CMMC. So I don't think they'll do a complete
1: one eighty because I mean a lot of that stuff is based on the NIST, right? And it's the pulling together of a lot of different security things. Um, and, but what we have, what we have in, what we have in our Microsoft licensing is, um, is a template that shows, uh, everything that Microsoft has done on their compliance side, everything our client has done on their compliance side so far, and then where the gaps are and what we need, what we need to, to implement in between. And it, yeah, if that, <clears throat> If that stuff gets changed, those templates will update. So they're not they're not fixed in in stone in any way, but they, they absolutely do exist sure. today. <clears throat> We're getting a lot of calls for CMMC, so our clients are clients are already getting um, getting pushed to be CMMC compliant, even though there's no one to actually do that auditing right now.
0: Well and, and I think that's that's the part that because we can't do the auditing, you know, nobody can be level four and five compliant yet. So
1: I think almost nobody's gonna need to be four and five. I suspect that most of our clients won't need to go above three. And actually okay. I can tell you that there's probably very few small businesses in our market, small business that are actually even level one compliant because level one compliance requires data loss prevention and data loss prevention is something that small businesses just haven't invested in. Uh, And our clients have it, but they haven't wanted to implement it because it means classifying all of your files and, you know, really dependent on the end users to learn a lot of new skills. And that's going to be a big focus for us in this coming year is data classification trainings.
0: Yeah, and and that sounds kind of important. Um, <clears throat> there's there's been a lot going on with security lately. So so that's why I'm you know I'm grilling you with security because when when I hear, yeah, we well, just use Defender and we let Windows manage the updates. It it sounds very laissez faire when when you, we don't dig in. And and start asking you clarifying questions. I mean, yeah. you understand NIST and you understand the CMMC uh, right. draft that exists right now. So,
1: and that's you know, where you're, that's you're where the it's the shifting system. of focus, yeah. right? right? So, <clears throat> so the traditional MSP focuses in on managing and monitoring. Right. It's like like you said, like how are we going to make money from the cloud? Because I'm just selling them a 365 license and I migrated them. And now why do they want to pay me to, to, to monitor? Cause I'm just, I'm doing patching, patching and, and management of their, of their computers. And it's a ever decreasing value proposition. The value proposition is in all this other stuff that we've, we've been talking about, right? It's about how do you, it's about compliance. It's about security. It's about uh, getting that business to, Stay modern, be modern, be better than the competition, learn new things, learn new ways of doing things, getting the value and the promise out of the cloud. That's where the, that's where the money's at today. And the reason that I'm laissez-faire about that other stuff is because it all just happens. It's like truly nobody needs to sit there and monitor updates today. It's just let it, let it ride. Just, just manage the exception.
0: Okay, um, now for some compliance stuff. My understanding is, uh, and and I'm I'm going to be 100 transparent. I have zero clients that need to be, uh, you know, regulated, compliant. You know, I don't do any uh, doctors' offices or or yeah, none of that stuff. Okay, so <coughs> so I'm not I'm not fully up on this, and that's that's when I rely on. You know people like you to come in and um help educate not just me but you know all the other people that aren't doing this other Mm -hmm. stuff but want to um so with that said uh my understanding is that some of these regulations require us to you know keep logs and 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 all this stuff uh retention of of uh Of all this, so that way we can prove, like, yeah, okay, so we've got all of this stuff, um, but I can also, you know, look through these uh, logs and prove that we really haven't had any security incidents. So Mm. how how does that work? Um,
1: That's just part of the licensing. So as as you as you move up from the. Basic 365 licensing on up the scale, you get longer log retention. So um, some of it, uh, I think, I think the very basic levels have only like seven day log retention. Um, but as you as you move up, the log retention stuff is it's there. It's it's built into the built into the system. Because they know, you know, that's what their customers have to have. So it's just one of the, one of the many features.
0: Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of the other things that an RMM is doing for us that, you know, all the people that you have to have an RMM tool because if you don't have an RMM tool, you're not an MSP, right? Yeah. So uh, remotely accessing a machine. You know, obviously, there are tools out there. Where you don't have to have an RMM to be able to remotely control a computer. Mm -hmm. So, what are you using?
1: We use TeamViewer, and um, we only we don't install it on the computers, so we don't do any unattended remote access. I've always been opposed to unattended remote access because I feel that it's a security issue, Um, and as we've seen, it has become a security issue. Uh, recently. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it took a long time, but I was eventually proven right. <laughs> um, so so
0: whenever a client calls you and says, I need help, you yeah. send them to a URL and they punch in a code. Yeah.
1: Yep.
0: And that is, and that is not because you you want to make this harder for your texts and and you you love making less profit margin or or anything else, it's because you truly care about the security of your clients. So you're going to make things a little harder for you to make things easier for them. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: Well, to make it more secure for them. I mean, you're always walking that line between functionality and security, right? And so there's never going to be a case where somebody gets into one of our clients through a remote access tool. It's never going to happen
0: because
1: we don't have that as an option.
0: So um, so you don't do any, any automated scripting. You don't have any un- unattended access. Um, you don't use any third-party security because you use all the stuff built in the Endpoint Manager. You, it's more than Endpoint mean, Manager, but yeah.
1: <laughs> do you say I'm not an m s p
0: you're not an m s p
1: so here's the thing you know I have this i um a few years ago i i uh I wrote an article that made a lot of people upset, and you know I said, you know are you an m s p or are you just billing recurring revenue
0: mm-hmm.
1: right so to me, to be an MSP, you have to be providing providing services. If all you did was take your break-fix model and start billing it reoccurringly, then that's all you did. You didn't turn yourself into an actual managed service provider, which to me means becoming that firm's IT department, managing all the services that they have out there doing everything that they might need from an IT perspective even if you don't do it yourself that you would engage those other vendors and be that point of contact for them so okay. when you know when we're we're selling ourselves to a client it's like we we are your IT department right it's our goal to become part of your business not to just be seen as an external vendor that does this specific thing for you Right? We try to really embed ourselves in that in that company, and to me, that's but, that's always been the promise of the MSP, right? From mm-hmm. a flip this around and look at it from the customer's point of view. From the customer's point of view, the promise of the MSP is that it was much more all encompassing than dealing with the break fix firm. Who you're going to call when something's broke, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to the MSP, too many of them, just sold themselves as, well, I'm going to monitor, manage, and and provide help desk, and we're faster and better than anybody else. It's like, well, la-da-da, because everybody's got great staff that's fast and wonderful. That's not your selling point. Your selling point should be that you provide amazing IT services, and that's much more than... It's patched, it's got good antivirus on it, and you'll, you know, you won't get in trouble with HIPAA. It's got to, it has to be bigger. It has to be bigger. Every, IT attaches to every single aspect of that client's business. They cannot function without something of IT. Are they going to go back to paper and pencil?
0: Sometimes I want to go back to paper and pencil. (laughs)
1: Sometimes my clients want to go back to paper and pencil too, but you know, nobody, nobody can survive that way today.
0: Ah, second grade. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I I like what I'm hearing. Um, You, you, while a lot of people are going to say that Amy lady is crazy, you you actually you know seem to know what you're talking about when it comes to you know the the current compliance and security trends and that type of stuff and and while you are not doing things in the conventional way that that most MSPs are doing it today it sounds like what you're really trying to do is be at you know the, the forefront the, the leading edge if you will, of, of using all of the tools that are available to the customer without adding uh, a whole bunch of other crap to the computers and costs to your own, um, uh, services.
1: Yeah. Does that, does that sound I, uh, right to you? Yeah, it does. It's a, it's a fair, a fair assessment. Um, yeah, you know, I've I've had people tell me like, oh, well, you're not an MSP, you're a consulting firm. Yeah, I'm like, well, I don't I don't really see the difference, right? When, when we sell ourselves to a client, clients don't know I say, what an
0: MSP is anyway.
1: No, and I well, they do actually. I, I was surprised. So for a number of years, we didn't take on any any new clients really, and like you know, they sort of we grew a little bit by internal referrals and stuff, but we didn't actually go out and make a big sales push. And then, and then we decided uh, uh, when I was going to pull away from the day-to-day and, you know, I let, I appointed one of my guys to be the tech manager. And so he does, that's his job now. Um, I said, well, this company needs to be bigger. And so, um, so we set up to, to grow the company, did a lot of active sales and created those events and things. And, and we did, we um, doubled the business from 600000 to $1.2 million in about 18 months it took to do that through, the, through those marketing programs. And, um, and that's, you know, that's all entirely recurring revenues. And so when we, we did that, I realized that what had happened is companies did know the term uh, MSP, and it was very sad. Because it would go in, meet it, meet a company for the first time. And most of the time they'll sign our contract on the first meeting. And but what was happening is we'd go in and they would say, okay, yeah, we've been meeting with MSP. So we've met with several of them already. So why don't you just give us your your gold, silver, bronze plan and and we'll take a look at it. And I'm like, well, I can't do that because we don't have one. You know, and then we start the whole other conversation that we want to talk about. Um and then they realize, you know, that that we're different. And so when I'm when I'm billing my clients, um, I don't quote them a per user price or a per device price. We, we quote them a per company price, and it's not a fixed not fixed thing. So it's really a retainer. So we're saying like, here's the amount of money that you're going to need to spend every month on licensing. Here's the amount of money you're going to need to spend every month on our services in a normal month. If we're running some kind of projects, introducing new things, whatever, um, you know, then we're gonna bill by the hour for that stuff and that'll be tacked on to whatever to the whatever the, the retainer is. So that's how that's how we bill it. And to me that's still an MSP. It's just a slightly different different style than the standard, you know, here's our here's our suite.
0: Sure, so so that's really interesting, and it makes me want to learn more about um, how you come up with your pricing and and that type of stuff with with your pricing. Um, if a company you know grows or shrinks, you know they hire a new guy, they let someone go. Like, is is their price changing since it's a per customer price?
1: No, nope. no. The only thing that's okay. changing is their licensing cost. Right. So they're so we've got a, you know, software that, that goes along with it. But no.
0: OK, and. Obviously, if they make like a, a big acquisition or whatever, and, and now suddenly the company size doubles, now you have to have you sit down at the table, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. well, So the retainer contains a certain number of hours per month. They don't right. roll over. Right. But we'd say, okay, This retainer, this retainer, we're going to we're going to expect to put in about this number, this number of hours. And this is what I'm thinking of it on my end. Right. This isn't the client's end. I think to myself, okay, this is a 15 user firm. Um, We're probably going to spend. uh, I don't know. Depending on. You know, initially we're probably going to spend maybe 15, 20 hours or so kind of getting everything, you know, snuffed up and all that. And then then ongoing, if nothing nothing much is happening there, if, if everything's all copacetic and no changes are going on really, uh, you know, just ordinary help desk and that kind of thing, it's not going to be that many hours for that size of firm, right? Pretty, pretty small number, amount of our time. So I'm thinking of that retainer is how much time is my tech staff going to need to support this company in an average month? And then I'll build that retainer amount off of that number. And I'll say to the client, like, here's what we think it's going to cost. And, you know, for this amount of money, which is your licensing and the retainer thing, um, we're going to be here all the time for you up to you know, X number of X number of hours a month. If we go beyond that, I'm going to start billing you by the hour for that. And if we go beyond, beyond those number of hours, I'm billing you a higher, pretty high hourly rate for those things that are outside the retainer. Right. Mm. If this goes on for a couple of months, we should renegotiate that retainer because I need to be able to plan my staff allocation and, the stuff that's built into the retainer is going to be slightly cheaper for you. And then they go, Oh, okay. That makes sense.
0: Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) Um, So what, what is your typical hourly rate on a retainer? And then what is the hourly rate outside of a retainer?
1: So um, I'm building my retainer off of the rate of 120 and the things okay. that are outside of a routine are 175.
0: Why not just bump that up a little to 180 so it's easy math? Every minute's three dollars. <laughs> I mean
1: uh, because we don't bill by the minute. Well yeah. <laughs> no, no, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um all right, so here's here's another concern I have Amy um, Microsoft you know I, I'm not sure if you knew this but y- you know they're they're making all this cool tech and eventually they're just they're just gonna get rid of us so why are you all in on Microsoft with your clients they're not gonna need us soon
1: uh, you know that's the that's been the rumor for all the 20 years that I've been in business and you um, You know, it surfaces up now and again. And, you know, anytime there's change, clients need us. It's not that Microsoft needs us. It's that the customer needs us. And as long as Microsoft keeps building new software and the tech world keeps building new software and making changes and updating things and coming up with new ways of doing things, then the clients will always need us. They don't need us to sell them. Piece of software. They need us to understand how to use that software to make it great for their business. That's where our value comes in, and that's where we, that's that's where our focus has to be.
0: So, when when selling hardware to your clients, are you well? First, do you sell hardware to your clients, or do you just say, "Here, go to wherever and buy it"?
1: Now we sell it. I don't want to deal now with. Sell- I don't want to deal with. Best Buy junk on the computer. It's not what you thought sure. it was internally, blah, blah, blah. We want real business hardware.
0: Good. Good for you. So are you selling them like a Surface, or are you doing like Dell, HP, Lenovo type stuff? Uh, we
1: do we do Surface, and we, we have Equus as our partner mm. for uh, providing uh, Intel Nux, is our go-to desktop hardware now.
0: Those those Nucs, man. Let me tell you, they're they're cool little devices,
1: and they're rock solid. Um, we started using them with version one, and they've been rock solid from the beginning. So rock solid that we have to convince clients to replace them after a while. It's like, eh, you know, you know. Used to be like you know, three years, four years, the computer was really getting long in the tooth, and you'd say to a client, eh, "It's three and a half years." we better plan in the next six months or so to replace that computer because you know what happens when they get to four. And they were like, "Mm, yep, we've been there, done that. We know we need to replace it. These nuts, chucking away, never a problem, never slowing down, never bogging, just going, going, going. And so we've been able to stretch those out to five for clients and have to say to them, hey, you know, it has been five years since you got that nut. We should replace it. We know there's nothing wrong with it. But these are computers and it's been five and we feel like we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't point that out, right? Because <laughs> sure. de- you know, avoiding downtime is, is a big deal,
0: right? Sure. So um if avoiding downtime is the goal, why not sell them like a like one of those tiny Dell or Lenovo workstations? That way you can have the the next business day or the same business day on-site warranties? Uh,
1: We used to do that. We used to have, we used to sell Dell and Lenovo. Um, And then this is going back a few years, but Dell moved all their production to Mexico. And as soon as they did that, we had issues with getting the Dell hardware on any particular schedule, right? They would, like, oh, yeah, it's going to ship tomorrow. Oh, it's stuck in customs for the next two weeks. And, it would, you know, it would sit there and we wouldn't get it. And and Dell was always a lousy partner anyway. I mean, people complain about, about Microsoft being a lousy partner. Dell is the worst partner. Like, their salespeople would call up and compete against their own salespeople. Like, oh, yeah, well, we already got a quote from this guy. Oh, well, that guy gave you that. I'll give you a better price than that guy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what are you guys doing? You're competing against yourselves. I mean, they're the they're the worst it's partners like ever. I know, but, you know, Dell reps competing against Dell reps is stupid. But, I mean, and they, they would compete against us as well, right? We would have our business rep. He would give us a quote. I don't know what happens internally, but then some other rep would call and say, "Hey, I can give you a better price." And we call up our business rep, and they like, "You know, this guy is undercutting you," and he would be furious because the guy would be on the consumer side, and he's on the business side, and somehow they would—they had, you know, it's like they were hacking each other internally. It, it was just awful, and so we finally we finally got out when you know when they went to Mexico. That was like the last straw. The whole Mexico play was a big deal for my clients. Um, you know, this was, I think, right before the, the big 2008 depression thing. And so most of my clients are engineering and manufacturing, prototyping, those kind of people. So when we said, like, hey, Dell moved all their plants to Mexico. This is why we can't promise you when you're going to get it anymore because it gets held up in customs. Dell doesn't even know when it's going to arrive. Equus is 100% American. They're here. Supporters American. Assembly's American. They're an employee-owned company. Supports in Minnesota. They were, you know, like, we're going to transition over to this. And they were were all happy. That's great. So the Intel Uh NUCs are great, too, because one of the policies that Intel has that Dell never had, Every, every Dell you order is different. Even if you say, I want, and we had clients like this, I want sequential serial numbers of the exact same spec. You would still open up those sequential serial numbers and they would be different on the inside. Because, I don't know, Dell buys lots of whatever is cheapest and they build the thing and they would be different. And there's no way to get the exact same device. Uh, The Intel... Guarantees that you will years. have like Intel guarantees that you will have the exact same device for 18 months. So we can set up a standard configuration with with our, our vendor for that and say we want this one. And we know that it is exactly the same as it's been for the last 18 months.
0: And and by different, you're saying like you know, different motherboards. Different hard drives, different Wi-Fi. What what's different?
1: Different different components on the motherboards. Different, you know, the level two cache is made by a different vendor that's been installed in it. Or I mean, just little things. Little things are different. It's not exactly the same from board to board to board to board.
0: Hmm. All right. Um. I asked you about surfaces, and I don't remember where I was going with that.
1: Well, you were just asking what uh, what hardware we were selling. So yeah, we we do sell the surface Surface laptops. In, um, uh, I'm running Surface Laptop 3. I love it. And I've had a book. I've had Laptop 2 and Laptop 3. All been great. Really, really good hardware. Really. Really nice stuff. Microsoft's done a really good job with the surface line. I'm kind of bummed that the stores are not going to reopen. Uh, We had a store here locally.
0: And they're they're not reopening their
1: they're not reopening their their stores. No. They closed them for COVID and they're not reopening them. And I'm kind of bummed because that was an amazing resource. If you had one locally, and I know not everybody digs, there weren't that many stores, but There is a business section that ran out of those stores. And so we would call them up, develop a relationship with them and call them up and say, hey, we need, uh, you know, we need uh, three books and two laptops for this client. And they would hand deliver them to our customer. They would drive them out and deliver them. Customer would plug them in and then we would remotely set them up. And, you know, that was pretty great. And if there was a problem with them, we would call them up and say, hey, uh, you know, there's an issue with this book. The You know, they had those um, fabric covers on the keyboard. So, like, yeah, they say that it's yeah. starting to get kind of nasty. And they were like, okay, yeah, we'll bring about a new one. And they would they would drive out there and bring it, drop it off, take the old stuff back. I mean they were That's really cool their customer service was amazing so I'm really bummed to have lost our local store actually
0: that is unfortunate um, you know I, I remember getting myself a surface book for a little while didn't love it yeah. um, and and I'll tell you why it's it's probably a dumb reason the uh, you know the screen for as tiny as it was it was it was also like a what was it 4k resolution on the first model. And so when I would open up Photoshop on that tiny little screen, I couldn't see anything because even though, even though I had it in, a, you know, make everything bigger mode so it looks nice on the screen, mm-hmm. Photoshop didn't support that at that time. Oh yeah, they might now. I don't know. Right. But um, so so just you know, I was I was like an old man, and you know that was that was before um. When I could actually see without my glasses now that I, uh, I have, I have diabetes. <laughs> don't don't eat fast food all day, kids. Uh, so, so yeah, now, now that I have that, I'm on, you know, medication and now I have to wear my glasses. As soon as I started with diabetes medication, I can't see for crap. <laughs> um, so, so that's, that's just, I don't know if that's
1: related to diabetes or if that's just part of getting old. I, I have a whole mug of reading glasses over here.
0: <laughs> no, my doctor confirmed. I'm, I'm farsighted. So he actually <laughs> confirmed with me that um, diabetes medication can impact your eyesight to the point where, you know, you, you before were farsighted but could also see pretty well up close. It would just strain your eyes. Now mm-hmm. your eyes are like, <laughs> no thanks. So <laughs> I just, I have to have my glasses in order to see it. It really sucks. <laughs> um, but so, so I'd be trying to use that surface book, no glasses. Cause that was back when I could do things like that. Yeah. I couldn't see a thing on that when I, was, the, when I was trying to use Photoshop.
1: 2000 by 3000 resolution, I think is what they, they ship with. I think they still ship with that. Although there's, they may oh. have
0: gone up from
1: there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there that was, that was a thing, and scaling was a thing. Like some apps didn't scale right, so they would be weird. Now they tend to, they're all good. Um, but yeah, no, I I I liked the book. The reason I switched to laptop is I never used the thing as a tablet, so it was like yeah, I don't really care if my screen detaches because it's not a thing for me.
0: Gotcha. So. And I I haven't played with the laptop line. It it seems neat. Um I just, you know, I, I feel like the surface is kind of like Apple computers where you know you're you're paying a premium for premium stuff, but not everybody really needs that, you know.
1: Yeah, you are you are paying a premium for premium stuff. Um you're right, not not everybody needs it, but um most people in business do because it's on Eight or ten hours a day, they're you know they're hammering on it. It's going to take it. Um, now they all took it home, so it was nice. So I mean, there's there's a movement toward laptops for a while, but now, man, that's really shifted big time. Like nobody wants a desktop anymore. Everybody wants everybody wants a laptop. So most of our clients are all you know they're all back working in their offices now, but. Um, there's a lot more fluidity to it. Right. So they're back one day, they're at home the next day, the bet, right? There's a lot of fluid movement. Um, whereas before they would have worked at home all the time, but that six weeks last spring told them that oh, sorry, whereas before they would have worked in the office all the time, that six weeks when we did have uh shutdown last spring, taught them all that they could actually work from home. And so those laptops, you know became really a valuable asset. And now we are seeing that fluidity of people moving back and forth from home to office, home to office.
0: Very cool. Um, so, so talk to me about third tier. Um, that's, that's one thing that I'd really like to understand better because it sounds like you're, you're really doing a lot to, to help the MSPs out there.
1: That's the whole purpose of third tier. So in 2008, I started third tier with uh, another MVP friend of mine who has since passed away. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mm -hmm. but what it is, it kind of grew out of being an MVP in that once you're an MVP, people start calling you and saying, Hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Um, And so I started doing that and, you know, that, was generating some revenue and it was going through Harbor, my MSP, and then it just became too much. It was like, this is really a whole different business. And so, uh, so a friend and I formed third tier because he was, when MVP also was having the same problem, like this helping other MSPs things doesn't really fit in with my MSP. Right. So make it its own separate business is what we did. And its sole purpose is to help other IT professionals. And so initially what we did with that was technical support. So if you're an MSP and you're stuck on, it's exclusively Microsoft technology. But so if you're stuck on something that's gone wrong, Windows, Server, Hyper-V, SharePoint, 365 now, whatever. You need help with migrations. You need help with SharePoint. You need help with SQL. You need help with Hyper-V. You need help with performance issues in, in the Hyper-V environments, um, clustering, all that kind of stuff, exchange. Um, I have a group of people that are either current or former MVPs that it's all they do. These are geeks that love to geek. And so, they tend to be specialists in their particular area. And if, you know, you need somebody to help you out because you haven't done that thing before, right. As it people, we can all figure our way through it, but it might take us hours and hours and hours and hours where if somebody has done it before can help you through it, you'll, you know, you'll be done pretty quickly. And so that's what, that's what the goal is there. And then, um, Recently, what I started doing is really producing materials to help people out with 365. So last year, I ran a webinar series called 365 Admin, Don't Miss This Setting. We went through all the different portals in 365 and talked about how to set them up. And It was just 30 minutes, all demo. And I went through, like, this is all the things you need to do to set up you know, your Azure Active Directory. These are all the things you need to do to set up teams. These are all the things you need to do to set up OneDrive. These are all the things you need to do to set up, you know, we just went through all the different portals. Um, And we did it for a whole year. So there's 12 of those. And they're recorded. So if you go to the third tier website, you can can pick those up. Um, And then this year what I'm doing is called Microsoft 365 Admin Make Money. And the Make Money series is about making money. So it's about taking the different uh, aspects of Microsoft 365 uh, and selling those to your clients and making money off that project. So I'm going through the project and providing email templates to sell it and to train and to step through it, the whole thing end to end and tell you what I charge my clients for something like that. And then say, hey, go out, go out and make some money.
0: That's really cool. And so, how how much does third tier third tier charge for this type of stuff?
1: So, if you want to join me for the whole year, it's uh, two hundred dollars a month. If you want to pick and choose, they're two fifty piece. Uh, and uh, if you got in in January, I have special special offer going so a bunch of people piled mm-hmm. into that but um, but you'll get you'll get the whole 12 months so um, you know in the end you're gonna make I don't know tens hundreds thousands of dollars off of rolling out these all these projects for your clients and you you know you'll make money from the cloud so twenty
0: four hundred dollars to get access to third tier for the year and as long as we actually go through and pay attention to your courses and and email templates and everything and then do the work we will make substantially more than that from our existing clients um and you know if we do it right we could even get more from prospects too well
1: yeah yeah for sure so in January, we started with something really simple. We just did we did bookings, right? Bookings is an app that's in the 365 suite, and yeah. um, it generates a web page where you can have offerings of all different sorts, whatever you want to do. Embed those into your own website and let clients schedule time. Your prospects can schedule time with you, clients can schedule a meeting with you, whatever you want to put out there. You can also link it into your signatures, you know, and you can link in all those different offerings that you have for, you know, for meeting types into those signatures. So I showed you all how to set that up. And you know, one of one of the guys in the class was like, you know, he's been selling his clients calendarly. And he's like, "My clients are I gonna be he's selling it to them the paid version he said Mm -hmm. and because he didn't know it was already built into 365 he -hmm. said and this has way more features than calendarly does he said so i'm going to be able to go to them and say hey here's an application that uh he well he's going to go and say hey look what microsoft just added right so he doesn't look dumb and the, you know I'm going to be able to save you a lot of money. Let's go ahead and, and implement this thing. So if you're going to save money. I'm right. I'm going to charge you to get this thing set up and configured, get it all going. But you're going to save money every month from the licensing. He's like, my clients are going to be so happy, and I'm going to make a bunch of money. So there you
0: go. So, so here's my confusion with um, with Microsoft 365 and things like bookings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As the MSP, shouldn't part of what I'm offering my clients be just setting this up and trying to do it?
1: Yeah. Should be. Nobody does.
0: So then, so then why are you selling it to them?
1: Well, you're selling them, you're selling them the project, right? They already own the application. It's like, hey, here's something that you guys already own. We should start using it. You know, let right, me show you how to let me show you how it's the same thing you do. Like, hey, here's three sixty-five, it has email. You're not gonna say mm-hmm. you're not gonna end the conversation there. You're gonna charge them to migrate their own email into it and set up outlook for them, right?
0: Gotcha. I guess I guess my my definition of a project is a little different. When it comes to something like bookings, I mean, I guess I'm thinking. I'm gonna spend a couple hours setting up the, the bookings for them and, and showing them how to send out their bookings link. And I'm done. Why would I charge them for that? They're already paying me hundreds or thousands of dollars a month to to be their IT department. So would it's not like the IT department's, you know, doing this in after hours overtime. It's it's just
1: it depends, depends on how you're charging your clients right if you're charging them all you can eat for all the work that you can do then yeah you should be doing you should be rolling out this stuff constantly for them that's not how most everybody works most everyone is charging their clients for a minimum set of services and when you want to go beyond that you make more money right you need to you need to structure your service contracts so that you have a way to make money Right. All the all these all these projects are ways to make money. And are you gonna to make tons of money off of rolling out bookings? No. But you're gonna make some. You're gonna get your clients in the mood for doing new things.
0: Teams is where you're gonna make a lot of money.
1: Uh we have teams is like the gift that keeps on giving because there's so many features that you can you can keep doing projects constantly. But mm. you know. You have to build up the culture of change within your clients, right? So, a way to ease them into that is to say, "Well, let's let's get bookings going," and then they'll be like, "Oh, that went really well, you know, that was easy, that went really well." Then the next time you come to them and say, "Well, let's let's start let's start uh, doing external chats in Teams," they'll go, "I'll go well." Okay. Well, the, the last thing you suggested went really well. So, okay, let's do that. Let's do that. We can see where that would be valuable. You know. So you you have to you have to train your clients to be okay with change. And once you build up that culture of change, they're more and more willing to accept projects. I always like to start off with little ones and then build out from build out off of those.
0: So one of the the last things I want to to grill you on to, to ask you about is um, there's another group that you have on Facebook. It's called MSP Regulation and, and Legislation. Hmm. So talk talk to me about the purpose of this group because I, I think it's safe to say we we all know it's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, so what is the purpose of this group on Facebook?
1: So um, I have three book, three groups on Facebook, right? There's another one called Ransomware and Security. That one's probably obvious what it what it talks about. Um, the legislation and regulation group. My opinion is like yours. It's coming. However, I think that we should have a voice in that. And we're we're at a serious disadvantage in that we have no trade organization that represents all of us like you and I don't pay a fee to join an organization and have that organization represent us almost all other professional industries do in fact I'm be hard-pressed mm. to think of one that doesn't right accountants have their 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 uh, AICPA lawyers have their boards Mechanics have their licensing. Contractors have their licensing. Hairdressers have their licensing programs. These things.
0: I can think of one. I can think of one. Yeah. The uh, the guy that fixes the um, the milkshake machine at McDonald's he he can't be regulated. <laughs> he never even goes to fix it.
1: <laughs> and, it's, and it's always broken. Yeah.
0: It's always broken.
1: Well, you could say the same thing about computers, unfortunately, they're always broken. but so I think we should have a voice right if you don't if you don't have a voice, these regulations will be done to you instead of done with you. right? If it's done with you, there can be some advantages to it that can happen as well, right? The reason why it's occurring we'll step back way back here for a second. The reason why it's occurring is because of ransomware. Businesses and governments are sick to death of ransomware, and they think that their IT firms are protecting them, and then they're finding out that they're not, right? They bought the cheapest thing possible, and then they just assumed that they were going to be protected. That's not the case. And, you know, all of us know there's no 100% security, right? So no matter what we do, somebody's somebody's going to be vulnerable in some way. We can unplug, I suppose. That's it. But, um, and so they're looking around, and this, this started in Louisiana, and they looked around and said, uh, who, are, who are these MSPs? Uh, you know, I want to I, I talk to their trade organization. I want to find out who these people are. And they looked around and said, oh, there's Nobody. They're completely unregulated. Anyone can hang their shingle out and say, I'm an MSP. There's entirely no way for the consumer to determine of whether this is a legitimate firm or a fly-by-night trunk slammer, man in the van person. There's it's it's a complete buyer-beware situation. And so they said, okay, well. What Louisiana decided to do was to make anyone selling IT services into a a government agency, local or state, didn't matter. You'll have to register with the state and say, this is who we are. And you're required to report any security incidents that occur under your watch. So... This does two things. It lets them know who's working in the industry, at least as far as government goes. And then two, they're keeping track of your reputation as a firm. So the other government agencies can go through and look and see, oh, this company had three security incidents happen under them, and this one hasn't had any yet, so I'm probably going to go with that one. So they have started that in a very small way, that regulation, but their attorney general has been out there talking on the conference circuit all over the country, and almost every state now has legislation or has people that are thinking about introducing legislation in the works. So What we're going to get is a hodgepodge of stuff, and that's not good for anybody. And, but secondly, if you're not there when your state or local government is considering these kinds of things... Who knows what they'll come up with, right? We don't want them to say like, hey, there's a, uh, you know, we're getting your group of legislatures because they don't know anything about tech. Oh, you know, we're we're reviewing a tech bill. Well, let's call up Netflix and see what they have to, see how they have to advise us on this. They they don't know anything about this business, but that's who they're going to call. They're going to call those big names. They're not going to call Jim's MSP down the street. Unless you are there. If you are there and say, hey, I'm here, they'll say, oh, yeah, we've got this thing coming up. We need to talk to you and figure out how to do this right. Because they do want to do it right. They just, if they're not talking to the right people, they won't do it right. It, so that's, that's really what we want to happen. And that's kind of the what the purpose is of this this group. I don't want to form the national organization that we're actually going to need. But somebody will. And in the meantime, um, the purpose of the group is really to kind of help keep everybody aware of what's going on, sharing information, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, ways that ways that this can end up benefiting the consumer and also benefiting us as an industry. I mean, think about the mechanics, right? You can do business with your shade tree mechanic, right? Your neighbor down the street will come and you know you'll pay him a six pack of beer and they'll change the brakes on your car for you. Mm-hmm. Or you could go to a master mechanic and pay a higher price for that. But get a different get potentially a different level of service. Your microphone you is messed really up
0: really by really the... really <laughs> really I
1: don't know if it's me or you, but your microphone is like all static out right now.
0: Is it is it still?
1: Still, yeah. A weird echoey static, doubt. But it, the other the other industry that does this pretty well is um, is the construction industry. Right. So they have different different levels, and I'm told that in California, if you're unlicensed, you can go out and you know provide uh, provide construction services, but only up to a certain dollar value. If it's above that dollar value for that particular project, then you have to get a licensed contractor. Now, I, in my state, if you're a licensed contractor, you have the ability to uh, to put a lien on the, on the structure that you did the construction on if you don't get paid. So there's an advantage to the to the contractor to be licensed as well. So you know those are kind of some examples of how things can be done the right way that the consumer is easily differentiate between. Uh, an unlicensed person and a licensed person, and you have some confidence that the the registered licensed person is more competent than the the one that isn't, and there's a pay differential for those those people too.
0: Absolutely. Um, you you're able to hear me okay now?
1: Yeah, you sound better now.
0: Okay, so I I reloaded the page, and now everything's great. Ta-da. So, um, all right, so. I have uh, a bunch of links that I'm going to put into the the YouTube description for when people, you know, come and watch this later. So they'll be able to get to, you know, the Harbor Computer Services website, the third tier website, third tier Facebook group, and all three of your, I'm sorry, the third tier Facebook page, and then all three of the groups that you've made. Those, those links will all be in there for you. And then um, I know it's maybe a little last minute for some people, but in 40 minutes, uh, there is a CMMC webinar. You know, it it's, looks like it's with Tim Golden, but it's listed on the third tier uh, regulation group.
1: Yep. So, yeah, check it out. <clears throat> we try to post, this, post all kinds of things in that security group. It's a really a pretty active group.
0: Excellent. Uh, for those of you that are not yet in that group, I I have been in it and um, I can tell that there are some people in there that are taking this thing really seriously and and I appreciate that. So please go check out the MSP regulation and legislation Facebook group. I think it would uh, be very worth your time. And if you have time, go check out the CMMC thing. Do you are are you um, you know sponsoring or any part of that, or is that all Tim?
1: No, it's not so so, Tim.
0: Okay. Um, are you going to be doing any upcoming webinars that we should be looking for?
1: Um, the only ones that I've got on schedule right now are the uh, the Make Money series, which you can find okay. out about on the third tier website.
0: Well, go check those out too, guys. Amy, thank you so much for for coming on here with me today. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Um, I I hope uh, I hope my my questions and 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 whatnot didn't beat you up too much. I I like your approach. It's like like you said, it's different, but you're you're shifting uh, you, you know you're you're shifting your focus on, on what you really should be focusing on. And I still think that we are going to disagree on some things like you know scripting and automation. I, I think that those things could help you be more profitable. Um but I, I, think you have um, a solid approach, and, I, and at least you have you know good reasoning for, for why you're doing what you're doing too. So, thank you.
1: Oh, thanks for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. Is there anything that you would like to to leave people with? Any words of wisdom?
1: <laughs> words of wisdom? I don't know. I mean, I uh, you know, I think we've covered about everything. I just, I just think that. People should get paid for what they do. You know, I, I just, I run into too many MSPs that are like, you know, all this stuff they tell me like, well, all this stuff they talk about is really great, but but you know, we'd go broke if we did all that because they don't have the mechanism to bill their clients. So mm. my word of advice, my parting word of advice is make sure you always have a way to bill your client.
0: Amen. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for those of you that were able to uh, hop on and watch this live. And thank you to those of you that watch this later. I will see you all at the next podcast episode. Take care, guys.